You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. He started getting really creepy because the last two encounters I very clearly remember were the final straw to it all. And little 10-year-old me started realizing this wasn't okay. I repeated the same phrase and took a step closer to my door as I didn't want to show him that I was afraid. I remember first asking, is some entity in this house? From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to the fun and challenging Best Fiends for supporting Disturbed. Best Fiends is the binge-worthy mobile puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play, plus earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that are sure to keep you up at night. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user WrongReviewThrowAway, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we're glad we didn't go into the apartment. To start, I was 10 years old at the time, And back then, my grandparents used to own a whole apartment complex, and the leasing office was attached to our house in the complex. So this is where I spent most of my childhood. My grandmother would run the office, and my grandfather would do all the physical labor around with the other workers. I spent a lot of time in the complex riding my bike, walking my Jack Russell, playing in the creeks behind the trees. Like, normal kid stuff. Nothing crazy. I always felt safe around there, and everyone knew me as the owner's grandchild. Certain parts of these memories get a little foggy as I get older, so I can't remember every incident, but I remember enough to know this man. Something just wasn't right with him. When my grandmother first leased the apartment to this man, I never even knew until I actually met him. The first time I met him, I was walking around the complex, doing nothing in particular but minding my business, and I see him. He approaches me and begins to make small talk, and me being friendly always spoke back. He mentioned how he just moved in, his apartment is super cool, and he doesn't mind if me and my friends ever want to come over. Didn't think nothing of it at the time, and agreed. But things just started to progress the more I'd see him around, 
Eventually, I knew something wasn't right. The next time I met him, I was walking around the entrance of the apartment complex, and to add, Mercer County Community College was right behind the apartment complex, so I used to travel over there, and you could cut through the college by the entrance of the apartments. I was only over there because the overhead bridge that looks down into the creek was there, and I used to enjoy peeking over and seeing the fish swim around. Well, once I was done looking, I turned around, and there he was, in the walkthrough of the apartments and the college, peeing into the bushes, he turns towards me, exposing himself, and apologizes for me seeing him like this. Of course, as a ten-year-old, your brain doesn't process things as easily, so I told him it was okay, and he walked away. He just stood there, reminded me about the apartment, and that was the end of it. I went home. Now, he started getting really creepy, because the last two encounters I very clearly remember were the final straw to it all. And little 10-year-old me started realizing this wasn't okay. I was walking my dog Buddy one day, and he sees me again and approaches me. He asked if he could pet the dog. I was hesitant but agreed, because my dog is very friendly, and I never taught him to be mean. He crouched down to pet him, and his penis fell out the side of his shorts. And this was when I realized he wasn't okay. He sat there petting my dog and groping himself very visibly for me to see. I was appalled. I honestly didn't know what to do when alarms were raising in my head. I just stared at what he was doing, and he asked me what I like to do, if I'd like to come over and play games with him. I just told him one day, and told him I better get going so I can finish walking the dog. The final encounter. I had my best friend, who was 10 at the time, and my sister, who was 3 at the time, over at the house with me, and we decided to take the dog for a walk. He was fun to walk with, very hyper, and would drag you if you let him. We were walking in the backyard of some apartments, and lo and behold, he appears, almost like he knew we were there, like he was watching us. He began to casually talk, complimenting my dog and asking us if we wanted to see his dog. My little sister agreed and walked a little closer as he pulled out his phone. I was fooled for a second and thought maybe he really does have a dog. He crouched down next to my sister and started showing photos. As I got closer, I realized he was showing nude photos of him and his dog. Then I realized he was groping himself and had exposed himself through his shorts again. He was too close to my baby sister for comfort and it made me very uncomfortable. He could have snatched her and ran if he really wanted to, and I always think about that. I was in a state of shock as I realized he was inviting us over again. Best friend realized this was creepy as well and we just exchanged looks. I knew I needed to get us out of there, so I bent down to pet my dog and I clipped his leash, knowing he'd dart away at an intense speed. And he did just as I planned. We yelled the dogs loose, grabbed my sister, and noped the fuck out of there and left him exactly where he remained, just staring. We ran home in tears, telling my grandfather everything I experienced since the day he moved in. I felt horrible knowing I let it escalate so long to the point others around me were exposed to it. The cops were called, he was arrested on the spot, and we had to tell everything to child investigators, cops, the news. It was a lot, and after he was gone, reality set in and so did the trauma. I swear that dog saved us and got us out of there and I miss him every day. Because if I didn't have him... I wouldn't have known what to do. I just think more so about what would have happened if I fell for going to his apartment, or even worse, 
if he got his hands on a child that was ten times more gullible than me. Fucked up part is he only stayed in jail for the weekend until his family bonded him out. And if you're reading this, Giovanni, rotten hell, you creep. Update. Posting this made me search on him a little more. He's still alive, unfortunately. He moved the next state over to Pennsylvania, and his address and phone number are public. Apparently, he's a mechanic now as well. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Up next is a submission from Anna, featuring voice work by Nicole Doolin. And we have a disturbed friend. This is a long story. I will try to be vague, but the story I tell necessitates specific details and will likely give me away to my friend. The person I am talking about is most likely still very much alive, and I don't know his whereabouts. You'll know why soon. This occurred around 2011. I was in my freshman year of college and had a class with my friend. Let's call him Sammy. He was charming enough and stereotypically handsome. He was muscular but not too bulky, had a chiseled face, and tall. Although I'm quite short, so the bar for being considered tall is quite low. We got along pretty well, and over the course of the year we got very close. Everyone in our class believed we were a couple, but it never got past friendship. We were always laughing and stuck with each other. He was my best friend at the time. I say this to highlight that I have always looked at him fondly, and in a strange way still do, despite what he did. He always seemed sweet to me, but also had this side that was dark and got easily irritated. I could normally talk him through it, though, if he was ever angry. I pride myself in my ability to calm people down and talk them through tough times. That's important to know for later on. I was working toward a degree in psychology and was always curious about how the mind worked. Dangerously and stupidly curious. So, to the red flags. Flag one. I remember he told me he had schizophrenia. I knew vaguely what it was, but I don't think that's what caused him to do what he did. Furthermore, a job we both had required thorough background checks and did not allow for people with those kinds of mental disorders to be accepted. So I wasn't sure how true that was. Flag two. One day we were eating lunch, and I don't remember how we got on the subject, and I'm hazy on the details of this, but he either told me he kept a journal or a book of things he would do to people. Either that or he just imagined things he would do. I don't remember which. I hope he just imagined it. They were gruesome things. Like torturing people kind of things. I found it disturbing, but he was always kind to me. So I brushed it off, thinking it was just dark thoughts that would never be acted upon. I hope I'm right. Flag three. We were in his residence, and I was laying on his bed. For some reason, he wanted to lay on top of me, but I had my legs folded up on the bed, and I said no. He liked to get close to me, within centimeters, but I didn't want a relationship at the time, and he knew it. Still, I knew he was trying to get close to me again, so I said no, jokingly. 
He tried to pull my legs apart, but I had built up some pretty strong legs at the time and stopped him. He tried again, muttering, Your legs are strong. As if he was disappointed, he couldn't get past the wall of muscle to lay flat on top of me. At this point, he looked at me with disappointment, but also a tinge of anger. I stared back at him, reinforcing that I was not allowing him on top of me. So he decided to lay beside me. We continued talking like normal. The main event. Please be aware that I don't remember his exact words, just the general phrases of what he said. I wish I remembered more. We were in his car, parked in a car lot. It was close to my dorm, but far enough to be away from people. It was also dark. Again, I can't remember how we got on the subject, but he told me about how he had another side to him, and the other side to him wanted to meet me. I was intrigued, and my curiosity overwhelmed me. Plus, I believed he was just making things up. I looked at him and said, okay. He closed his eyes for a minute, then opened them back up, like he was in a trance. He said something along the lines of, you must be, let's call me Stacy. I've been waiting to meet you. Then just stared at me with a smile on his face. I was silent, not because of fear, but really because I wanted to know what he had to say. He said a few other things, but then said, I could kill you with this pen. He then grabbed a pen and held it to my throat, like he was going to stab me in the neck. Strangely, I wasn't scared. I just remained calm. He asked me, What do you think Sammy would think if I killed you? I said, Well, he probably wouldn't like it, considering we're pretty good friends. He said a few more things, and we actually talked a bit more. Penned to my throat the whole time. I know I should have been scared, but I just wasn't. As if I knew that deep down Sammy could never hurt me. I know that's naive to think, but something in me just knew, and maybe that's what ensured I'd stayed calm. I know it's hard to understand, but I can't explain it. I can't remember what was said, but he seemed amused by me, and at one point said, You're different. Then he laid the pen back down and said, I'll let you speak to him now. He closed his eyes again and opened them, as if he was out of the trance. He asked me what happened. I said, well, he wanted to kill me. He looked at me in disbelief. But before he could say anything else, I opened the door and left. We still talked after that, and even hung out a few times. I never feared him, but I was weary of him. There was one time he offered to bring me a smoothie, one of my favorites. I told him I was busy and I couldn't come see him. He offered to bring the smoothie to me. I said no. He then told me he was outside my dorm with the smoothie. My dorm had a gate that you needed a swipe card to get into. So the only way he could come in is if he walked behind someone else. That seemed like stalker behavior to me. The next day I told him we couldn't be friends. It hurt me, but of all things, him bringing me a smoothie, which may have just been a friendly gesture, unnerved me. A few other interesting facts. He ended up dating a girl in our class shortly after our friendship ended. They eventually broke up, 
she was also a psych major. I guess that's the kind of women he targets. I never asked her if he did anything to her. We didn't talk to each other much. Maybe I should. We were in another class together a year or so later. He had changed his name. I remember seeing him and making sure I could hear the name he responded to at roll call. It wasn't the same name he had before. I never interacted with him and I didn't care to ask. If he ever hears this story, I still wish you well. And I have enough good memories of you to think of you fondly. I hope you're okay and I hope you've received help. And in another life, maybe we could have remained friends. But until then, let's not meet again. Are you terrified yet? You will be. So it's a normal evening, right? We come home from work, have some dinner, chat about the events of the day, and everything is just as it should be. But then you happen to look around, and I'm not there. Vanished. Panic is setting in, and you're about to take drastic measures. And finally, you find me, just getting a few moments to myself playing Best Fiends. Now, other people might wonder why you just disappear every so often, but the thing is, if you're having as much fun playing Best Fiends as I am, it's no secret why you sneak off to play. Now, look, for me personally, one of my favorite things about Best Fiends is how each level just gets slightly more difficult and challenging. It keeps your brain on its toes and engaged, and look, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that's a good thing. And I tend to get into a groove where I just can't put the game down, and I'm in one of those right now because I've already gotten up to level 275 and I'm not slowing down. It's such a fun game, and for me, in between recording Disturbed, it's a great way to unwind and de-stress. I can zone everything else out and just focus on playing, which keeps my mind off other stressful day-to-day things. My experience with Best Fiends has been awesome, and I've even gotten a few friends into the game as well, and the friendly competition we have checking in on who's at a higher level is really fun and brings a great new dimension to the game. And Best Fiends even has offline play, so if you lose that internet connection, and we all know this happens more often than we'd like, you're still good to go. It's free to download, so what are you waiting for? Download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Want to listen to Disturbed ad-free? Of course you do. Go to disturbedpodcast.com slash support to get your access today. 
Now back to the deliciously frightful, disturbed podcast with your host, Chad. Next up, we hear from Reddit user Omega369, featuring voice work by Danuta Marie, and we meet the Crocs and Socks stalker. This actually happened a few hours ago, and I'm still unsettled about the whole encounter. I decided to drop it over here to get it out of my system. I've had creeps tailgate me or try to grab my attention on the road, and I just ignore them, which always worked. But this guy takes the golden medal. My shift starts in the afternoon, and I was feeling off for most of the day. A beautiful, sunny day, mind you. You know, one of those days where you drag yourself out of your bed to adulting. I decided to lift my mood up, so I wore something new that I had. A beautiful, creamy white faux fur vest, and I hit the road. Look like a million bucks, feel like a million bucks, right? Maybe not. I played some piano tracks and hoped that I'll get out of this funk. I just needed something to comfort me, and those two things didn't cut it. While I was driving to work, I decided to grab a drink. An iced, crisp green tea will definitely lift my spirit. There were two branches of a famous coffee shop. You know who, a grinning mermaid playing Twister. Ring a bell? I could have gone to the first one with the drive-thru, but they used a pretty crappy tea brand as they ran out of the good stuff. So I had to go to the one that was inside a mall. Anything to feel better, right? I parked my car, and I saw a private fleet of black SUVs making it difficult to view the entrance. This is important later. I grabbed a cold bottle of water and headed to the counter. I paid for my drink and got a cherry lollipop, because why not? Waited for my drink, and once I got it, I started walking out. I had to pass a fountain in the courtyard before I could reach the exit. I slowed my pace as I noticed that I was walking too fast. I felt a bit off, but brushed it off. As I passed between the SUVs, a bus shot through quickly. I stopped in shock as I almost walked in its path. This didn't make me realize what was happening. As I got distracted and wasn't aware of my surroundings... As I walked further, I had to pass an area where there wasn't anyone. It was shaded, but still outdoors. Almost like a bridge-style building, if that makes sense. This was the way to my car. I noticed that I wasn't aware of my surroundings till I heard footsteps on my right. Then I saw a man in my peripheral vision, walking and matching my speed. At first, I thought he was in a uniform, so I assumed he was part of the cleaning staff in the mall. I felt off, but I told myself that I'm being paranoid and overthinking. Next to my car and on my left side was a woman with a child who was getting into their car. This will make sense later. I was sandwiched between my car and hers. I was getting my keys out of my fur vest, and then I had to turn around in order to open my driver door as I was a bit ahead of it. Once I turned, I saw a man standing. Looked like in his late 30s, skinny, average height. He had a dark blue baseball cap with sunglasses, a gray shirt with some print on it, and black sweatpants. Croc shoes with socks. He was so close that it took me by surprise and I was startled. But being nice and polite is in my blood, so I assumed nothing of it. The first thing he said was, why are you afraid? I told him that I wasn't and asked him what he wanted. Is your car for sale, he said while grinning. I said no. Then he started to ask about how my day was going and stuff along those lines. The heck? I don't know you. Alarm bells were ringing in my head. I smiled so as to not escalate the situation. I knew I had to do something. 
He was blocking my way to the mall entrance, and if I decided to go the other way, which is a pretty large shaded parking lot with a few people here and there. It was nice to meet you, but I gotta leave, I said while smiling. Give me your phone number, he said bluntly. I repeated the same phrase and took a step closer to my door as I didn't want to show him that I was afraid. I was pooping bricks at that moment. Then he said something that made me want to crawl out of my skin. Give me your phone number so I don't have to chase you around in my car. At this moment, I knew I had to move fast, so I opened my door and ignored him. He kept talking and I wasn't sure what he was saying, as it felt muffled. My anxiety was higher than the tip of Mount Everest now, and I was hit with this realization that even in public spaces and in broad daylight with people around, you can lose your sense of safety in a split second. I closed the door and quickly locked it. My fingers felt weak, but I managed to turn on the car. He kept knocking on my window. He was so insistent. I put my car in reverse mode, but I couldn't back out. The woman was halfway getting out of her parking spot, thus forcing me to wait. He kept knocking pretty hard and saying stuff. At that moment, I honestly couldn't hear him. All I wanted was to get out of there. I was so afraid and just baffled. I had to look at the window to see when the road would clear so I could back out while he was standing in front of my window rapidly knocking on it. I avoided making eye contact with him. Once the road was clear, I hit the gas pedal and sped off. I drove to random places while my eyes were fixed on my rearview mirror to make sure he wasn't following me. It was so hard to breathe as my chest felt so heavy and my heart was beating out of my chest. I was glad he wasn't there. This creep followed me around the mall and waited for the right moment. I was alone and he threatened me to give him my phone number and I was totally unaware of how creepy he was. My therapist will definitely hear about this. So the guy with a baseball cap and Crocs with socks, let's not ever, ever meet again. Are you loving this show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. And finally, we close out the show with a submission from Anna, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we try to catch our breath. This one starts with COVID. I was studying economics in university, and I remember just being sent home along with everyone else. All my classes were now online. My exams were delayed, and everything seemed a mess. I had all this free time and didn't know how to occupy it. I've always enjoyed religions, belief systems, faiths, mythology, spirits. I remember just sitting in front of my iPad reading about mythology or going on YouTube to find more about all of this. I devoured the books I could find. I started to learn how to read tarot cards, then pendulum readings, then cleansing. I learned a lot about different belief systems, about different pantheons, about different paths. I started cleansing my house every week from bad energies, bought crystals. I've always been sensitive to paranormal stuff, but most of the time I ignore it. Either that, or I wonder if I've been watching too many true crime stories and my mind is playing tricks on me. A year passed. I had this friend, let's call him Fonzie, that started complaining about night terrors, that he would wake up in the middle of the night not being able to move, and he saw this shadow figure that would jump on top of him. But that wasn't it. He would often see that same shadow figure during the day, when getting a glass of water or just watching TV. 
At that time, we were already allowed to leave our houses. I asked him if he would like me to cleanse his house and maybe do a reading to figure out what it was. He was super excited and we met the next day at his door. This is the part when things didn't go as planned. I remember entering his house and feeling immediately a weight on my chest. I ignored it. We walk in, past the kitchen on the right, the living room on the left. In front of us is the bathroom. To its left is his parents' room, and to the left is his younger brother's bedroom and his bedroom. We decided to walk around the house and see if we would feel something. His bedroom was okay. His brother's bedroom was not okay. Just standing by the door, you could feel your knees starting to tremble. He opened the door and I almost screamed, please close it. I was feeling scared, but didn't want to show it. We lit some white candles and incense around the house. Then we sat down in the living room and I pulled my pendulum out of my bag. At this point, my friend was joking too much about stuff. So I said, just go outside, smoke a cigarette and I'll be there in a minute. He got up and did exactly what I asked. Now, sitting in the deafening silence alone, I grabbed my pendulum again and started asking questions. For those of you who don't know how a pendulum works, you basically get a paper, draw a cross, and put yes and no. Then, holding one of the tips of the thread of the pendulum, you ask the questions you want while holding it in the middle of the paper. After that, you raise the pendulum in a vertical motion and it will swing in the direction of the answer. I remember first asking, is some entity in this house? The pendulum didn't move. Well, maybe I didn't ask clearly, I thought. I asked again, is there an entity inside this house? The pendulum swung a small yes. Okay, great. I was getting results. I proceeded with the questions. Is the entity in this house alone? No, the pendulum swung. I looked outside for a moment just to check. My friend was fine outside, looking at something on his phone. My attention was brought back in when I heard a noise in the kitchen to my left. The door was open. No one else was home. I heard a knock though. I shrugged it off. I got back to the pendulum and asked, are the entities in this house bad? I waited a while, but no answer came. Just another knock on the kitchen. I looked around, as if looking for something. I didn't know what it was. I tried again. Are the entities in this house bad? The pendulum started to move, but in that exact moment, I gasped for air. I felt a heavy weight on my chest, like something was pressing on it. My throat couldn't let the air pass to my lungs. I heard the knock again. I was panicking at this point. I don't know how, but a burst of energy went through me and I got up and ran outside where my friend was. After telling him what happened and a few glasses of water and some breathing outside, we went back. You might think, well, guess you went home and never did it again. No. Well, we went inside and sat again with the pendulum and I started figuring out what actually was there. We learned it would attack when there were multiple people inside. We learned that it was there before my friend's family moved in. We found out that some of them meant harm and others were just there existing. Suddenly, my friend said, ask if they were buried alive. 
I was confused, but asked it anyway, and the answer was yes. He later told me that he felt the taste of dirt out of nowhere in his mouth. We ended everything with a cleansing, and he says that after that day, it never happened again. My advice here is to not mess with stuff you know nothing about. So, to the entities that took my breath away, let's not meet again. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Don't forget to head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit to send in your own true terrifying tale. Disturbed is produced by yours truly, funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And of course, let's shout out our newest supporters, Don Turner, Icafo, T, Fatima Hernandez, Rachel Crute, Dominic Grubbs, Jamie Everett, Aspen Olson, Schwood55, Stephanie Delaney, Donald Ferrier, Helen C., Dion, and Nadia White. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too. Patreon.com slash DisturbedPodcast. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio, Co.ag, and Kevin Hartnell. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.